Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Work Stories is a place for women of color to share their experiences in the workplace. We're no longer whispering these stories to our best friends and partners and then shoving them to the backs of our minds and just dealing. We're talking about bias, equal pay, bad bosses, racist hiring practices, and all the crazy things your coworkers have done or said to you. This is a safe place to tell those stories. The floor is open, y'all. We are telling it all. Welcome back to Work Stories. As a diversity and inclusion coach, Crystal is constantly telling organizations what they're missing in the effort to be inclusive and what true belonging looks like in the workplace for their employees. Her work has even had a direct effect on her personal life. Let's talk to her. My name is Crystal Whitaker. My pronouns are she, her. Uh, We'll start with the non-work stuff because I feel like it's so embedded in our culture to talk about our titles and what we do. But on a personal level, I'm a queer, Black, biracial woman. I live in LA. I describe myself as a corporate-trained creative hippie. I'm really woo-woo. I'm a plant mom. Very loving. I love my people. Love my mother. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm a creative. I like to write and, you know, pull oracle cards and venerate my ancestors, all of that stuff. And then... On a professional side, I am an entrepreneur. I'm an inclusive branding and leadership development consultant, and I specialize in working with leaders that really want to embody an inclusive leadership style that is reflective of their core values and their commitments to inclusion and belonging. I'm very passionate about it. I love what I do. It feels like the most aligned work I've ever done in my life. And I'm also an author, which is super exciting for me and my inner child because writing a book is something I've always wanted to do. So I'm excited to have that out in the world too. Yeah. So tell us how you got started in inclusion work and what about your life's experience maybe led you to that work? I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but I have firmly believed for many years that literally all of our experiences and skills are transferable and connected. Mm-hmm. So I I got into this work after I spent over a decade in corporate and I got really burnt out. My soul felt sad after a while in corporate. And so I decided to start a photography business. And through photography, I basically dove headfirst into the wedding industry. And anyone who is familiar with the wedding industry, traditionally, it tends to skew very heteronormative mainstream publications. When I first got into the industry in 2016, it was a lot of straight white couples, you know, model-esque that you were seeing in publications. And I called that out. And I wasn't the only one calling it out, but it definitely really rubbed me 
the wrong way because I'm like, so many different types of people get married. Why are we not in the industry? And I made a lot of connections who felt the same way, which, you know, helped me really stand strong in my voice in that. And I was able to build this really inclusive photography business where I had a wide range of clients and I, it was just easy for me to make them feel welcome and like they were seen because I know what it feels. I mean, I think we can all relate to that sense of like not belonging, but it caught the attention of first photographers and other wedding vendors. They wanted to know how I was able to build such an inclusive brand. So I started teaching them, bring mentoring as an additional component of the photography business. And then that just kind of exploded in 2020 for reasons that I, you know, pretty obvious to all of us. And then it just took on this life of its own. I never would have imagined that starting a photography business because I wanted to be creative and connect with people would be the thing that would lead me into doing more inclusion and belonging work as a consultant. But that's what happened. And as I leaned more into that business and built out my framework, which is the aligned values framework, it felt aligned for me and in a lot of ways, it was also an acceleration to my own healing process from stuff that I had experienced. Mm -hmm. A queer biracial woman, I grew up with the white side of my family. I didn't have any connection to the black side of my heritage. So there were a lot of things that I didn't start learning and connecting and really understanding until I was an adult because I just didn't have access to a lot of information. I don't fault my family for what they didn't know. But mm -hmm. it's also one of those things where this is my experience and this is how it shaped me and, you know, not feeling like I belonged in so many areas of my life until I was an adult and had language and understanding of like, oh, well, this makes sense or that makes sense. And so just pouring all of that into the experiences that I was creating for my clients on the photography side and then translating it to help other leaders be able to do the same for their clients and their business. Yeah. I just think it's so interesting when we just end up places. We were like, I didn't plan for this. This isn't something I saw myself doing necessarily. Like, I just wanted to do X, Y, and Z. And here I am. <laughs> yeah, but it feels good. It feels right. And it's funny, I, I talk more openly about this now, but this work, it has really healed a lot of things in my relationship with my mom. And we mm. have the most beautiful relationship now. I freaking love it. And I'm not entirely sure if we would have gotten to this point this quickly had I not ended up in this space. So I think that that's the really sweet takeaway about it. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And very beautiful and just not even something, I mean, you think, okay, I'm helping the people I'm helping, but you don't think about the other ways we experience growth sometimes with things. Yeah. In your corporate experience in those workplaces, was it ever really apparent to you, like, this is not a place I feel like I belong, I don't fit in here? Yeah, I've experienced that a few times. And it wasn't always in relation to, you know, racial identity. Sometimes it was gender identity. Sometimes it was hierarchical. <laughs> and feeling like I didn't have a voice or couldn't use my voice or don't question things or this is just the norm, like let it be. But oftentimes I noticed that I felt out of place. I noticed that things felt off mm -hmm. and I felt stifled a lot in corporate, which, you know, was frustrating, you know, because I have a very bubbly personality in general. <laughs> 
And even, <laughs> even in the ways that I would communicate sometimes with being talked down to because of that bubbliness, not being taken seriously. And it's like, just because I'm bubbly and happy and joyful doesn't mean that I am less strong in my ability to produce and my ability to have ideas and contribute or you know be taken seriously. Yeah. That's a great point to bring up. Like I don't know what the term for it is, but it feels like personality discrimination. <laughs> like <laughs> because I wake up happy or like I would imagine you have a very light kind of higher voice. Yeah. And I imagine in that setting that didn't probably help in terms of them you know, continue to take you seriously. I have a close girlfriend who has a very similar voice and it's always like, oh, people underestimate. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely that. It's like, why can't I just be happy or why, you know, everyone has little quirks. It looks different for everyone. You know, whether it's like, you know, you got the jokey person at work or the person who's always in bright colors. It feels like these places kind of want to break your spirit Mm -hmm. <laughs> for their own benefit. Like if I can get you less happy, a little more grumpy, but not too grumpy where you want to file a complaint, you know, <laughs> if I can yeah. control you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The other side of it too, talking about voice, you reminded me the number of times that I would have phone conversations, both with people through the hiring process, and then even just people that I was meeting with, like having phone conversations with and then meeting in person or meeting over video and then being visibly surprised that I was not a white woman. I remember oh, wow. one former boss actually said to me, you know, I was really surprised when I met you. I thought you would be white. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? Why would he ever say that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. That's something that just stays in your mind. <laughs> wow. What did you, how did you respond to that? I, I was, well, this, this kind of goes back to stuff that, that I was sharing earlier about not having complete language for things mm -hmm. that I experienced because mm -hmm. this was in my early 20s. And having grown up in predominantly white communities, that was something that I was so used to hearing from people. I used to hear things like, oh, you're the whitest black girl I've ever met. And so it was one of those things that I had just learned to let roll off my shoulders. Mm. But I knew when this particular person said, especially in a professional setting, I, I knew I'm like, that is, that is not okay. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't know how to respond to that. So it's one of those things where you just kind of laugh it off. Yeah. I think a lot of marginalized people have that experience where you, you get so used to hearing things that are not quite okay, but you just learn to laugh it off. Wow. Okay. So let's talk about the general conversation of the workplace and the sense of belonging. What do you think is the problem? Like, why is it so hard for people to go into an environment and feel safe and free in that environment. I think it goes back to the original structures of organizations. I mean, let's be honest, white supremacy is at the root of a lot of these things. And traditionally, organizations in professional settings, people have been told, you know, keep your home life, keep your business, your personal stuff, leave it at the door when you come to work, mm -hmm. right? Work is not a place for certain conversations. Work is not a place for certain behaviors or experiences. Like you can't be a whole human. And I think that segmenting has really conditioned people to compartmentalize and segment off parts of themselves where it's like, well, if I say this or I do this, it could put my job in, in jeopardy and I have a livelihood or a family to take care of. And I think that that's really the root of it, the core of traditional 
expectations and norms of workplaces, especially in corporate environments. I work with a client who talks a lot about traditional command and control models when it comes to leadership. Like, mm-hmm. this is how things are done. This is what the expectations are. There's no collaborative leadership where people's voices are always heard. That's something that, you know, I think Gen Z is really changing for us. Love Gen Z. <laughs> but that for me is really at the root of it is these traditional expectations and the way that workplace environments were formed. So on the other side, right, the employer themselves, what are their big problems? Like, what are they doing wrong that they cannot create these cultures that they say they want? There are a lot lot of organizations that are paying lip service, they're saying, they're putting out statements, you know, they're writing out policies and saying that they are supportive, that their employees can have access to resources, you know, they want them to be heard. However, they're not actually practicing it. It's like saying one thing, but continuing their regular business as usual practices. They're not doing that deep inner work. They're not deconstructing what already is. They're doing these things as more of an add-on rather than really digging deep and pulling apart and being willing to rebuild in areas where it's necessary. And I think a lot of it is resources. DEIB work in a lot of organizations, yes, those roles are opening up and there's we're seeing some expansion. However, it's similar to like marketing, you know, those are the first things when budget cuts come around. It's like, okay, marketing goes out the window, DEIB out the window, and it shouldn't be an add-on. It shouldn't be a nice to have. And that's kind of the way that a lot of organizations are still treating it. Mm -hmm. So... If a C-suite person, an executive was listening to this right now and they said, no, I really, I really want people to feel accepted and free to be who they really are. What would you tell them is the first thing they need to do in order to start creating that culture? The first thing they need to do is acknowledge that real change takes time. It's not employed with, you know, a list of check boxes and it's something that's done overnight or in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. It takes time and they need to acknowledge that and get comfortable with it mm-hmm. and be willing to invest in the appropriate resources and support. So if they don't have the resources to invest in external support from a consultant like myself, then consider, I'm going to preface this with please, Please do not have your marginalized employees do this emotional and educational labor, (laughs) (laughs) but pull your employees, ask them what they need, genuinely make it anonymous, (laughs) what they would like to see, but don't expect them to execute that work. That is something that there needs to be a dedicated role for it. So if if it becomes a reallocation of, all right, how do we create a dedicated role or how can we invest in some way, shape or form, whether it's bringing in consultants on a retainer basis or an as needed basis that can at least provide assessments, because that's one thing that I'm able to do is, you know, all right, here's an assessment. Here is where you're at. Here are the things that, you know, I recognize that need to be done. And as you continue assessing your budgets throughout the years, consider what areas you actually need support in that you yourself as a leader aren't able to provide and that you know you can't ask your employees to do and consider what that investment is. There's so many consultants who do the type of work that I'm doing. There's a range of us and 
we want to see the work done. So there are consultants that will have offers and solutions that can suit your needs and meet you where you are, but you have to be willing to do the work to do your research and find the ones that fit your organization. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. So, okay, when the average person thinks about DEI, they think about a diverse group of employees, right? Mm -hmm. And I think at this point, people are starting to think of diversity as more than just race and culture and gender. Mm -hmm. So that's good. That's good news. People are (laughs) being a little more expansive on what what that means. But it still really feels like the conversation is around hiring. Mm. Can you give some examples of like what inclusion can look like outside of hiring? Yes. Okay. I love this question. It makes me really excited. (laughs) (laughs) Outside of hiring, I always say with inclusion, it's all about messaging. And there are four types of messaging when we consider the things that organizations are, are putting out. So you have your written messaging, which is all of your written communications, whether it's internal or external, your verbal messaging. So how the written communications are actually being verbally communicated and are they connected and in alignment. Your visual messaging, so does the visuals that an organization is putting out into the world on their social media and their marketing campaigns, does it actually align with the written and verbal communications? And then the behavioral messaging, which is how is everyone being and is the way that people are actually being in alignment with those other three messaging components. Because you can say things like Black Lives Matter. You can say all people are welcome here and we want a diverse team in our organization. But if all of those components, your written, verbal, behavioral, and visual are not in alignment, then there's going to be a lot of disconnect within the organization and also the way that people experience being a part of the organization, the way that people experience being customers or patrons of that organization, there's always a disconnect. I think one company that does a great job with their inclusive branding and everything, it's all connected, Ben and Jerry's. They do such a great job. We love Ben and Jerry's. Their marketing is so amazing. And obviously it's coming from an authentic place of the work that they're doing behind the scenes. Yes, yes. So yeah, that's, that's Ben and Jerry's is my favorite example because I think they do a really great job. Yeah. And I think we saw that in 2020 when people were releasing statements in June after the George Floyd murder and like needed to say something, but not everybody spent time really crafting something thoughtful and something mm-hmm. that was authentic to that organization or company. Mm-hmm. And Ben and Jerry's had a gold star type of communications that went out. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing, because I mean, I pay attention to these things. Ben and Jerry's is still 
behaving in that, you know, like they're, they're still mm-hmm. doing it. There were so many messages and statements that went out in 2020 and early 2021. And so many of them have also kind of fallen by the wayside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if you pay attention to a company like Ben and Jerry's, they're still doing it. They're still mm-hmm. operating in alignment with what they stated that they were committed to. Mm-hmm. And they were doing it before. So. They were doing it before. Exactly. Like their website, it's clear. Like this is what we value. It's it, Yeah, it's great. So everybody go look at Ben and Jerry's stuff. <laughs> you mean... want an idea of how to do it um, and, and an authentic way to do it. It's not saying you know everything and you've solved all these problems today. Um, I think everyone gets caught up in the speed also. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I do want to say one thing in that authenticity with Ben and Jerry's is that they do it actually in a way, I, I didn't realize this until I was really paying attention to the things that were happening in 2020, but they communicate their commitments through their values. Like if you look at their website mm-hmm. and the way that they speak about their values and then the way that they actually show up in the world, it's all in alignment. And that's what I do with my clients. It's not just like, okay, you know, here's your inclusive statement and commitment. We actually work work together to help them communicate through the lens of their values and making sure that inclusion can be tied back to it. And Mm -hmm. it makes everything so much more authentic that way. For sure. I feel like the type of efforts of Ben & Jerry's and other companies that are really doing things right and making great strides, it takes leadership that is without ego and open to change and really thinking about the needs of not only just our employees, but the community around them too. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of people are in leadership positions who are not open to any of those things. So if somebody is looking to make it to that level or is at the point where they have the opportunity to hold those positions and those roles that come with all that responsibility, what kind of things should they be doing before they take those leadership positions, before they become this kind of voice of a company? This is definitely something that requires resources, but I think that people in leadership positions, it's important to have mentoring or coaching to some capacity. And ideally, the mentor coaches that leaders are working with do have an inclusive, equity-minded perspective because the benefits of having a mentor or a coach is that you're getting perspective reflected back to you. You are getting people that are hearing and noticing what it is that has fed into your experience and they can offer different perspectives for you to consider versus all you know all of us that are just in our own heads even myself mm-hmm. i have had coaches throughout my career even throughout my time as a business owner because i know that my perspective isn't the only one my experience isn't the only one and it's really important for us to exercise that muscle of being invited to consider different perspectives, being invited to do more inner work within ourselves to understand what is it that triggers us? What excites us? What do we want to get on a soapbox about? What do we believe the definition of leadership and successes because they may not be the exact definitions from Merriam-Webster or Oxford languages and really understanding who we are as beings and what makes us tick. I think that's so, so important rather than 
going after opportunities, you know, just because of ambition, we, you know, we want to climb that ladder. It's like, well, why do you want to climb that ladder? Why is that important to you? And when you get there, what are you going to do in that role? How are you going to use your influence when you are leading other people? Because that's a huge responsibility and it's important to be really self-aware. And I genuinely don't know anyone who has reached complete self-awareness just on their own without perspective from others that have supported them, guided them, mentored them, even on a peer level, you know, having that peer support is really important. Excellent points. Um, can you share a story with us from the work that you've done with people in your business? What is a proud moment for you in kind of a success story? I mean, I have quite a few because <laughs> you're good at what you do. <laughs> I have some of the best clients. Yeah. I mean, thank you. But it's, I also, I work with my clients in a collaborative way. So yes, I, I know I'm good at what I do, but I also give credit to my clients because they show up and they do the work. And so as a general overarching theme, the feedback that I consistently get from people is how impactful and transformative it was to learn how to anchor everything that they do in core values. It sounds simple, but we do a lot of deep work around that. And there was one client in particular who comes to mind who is a social media strategist for mission-driven entrepreneurs and, and businesses. And their primary goal and challenge that, that they really wanted to focus on was, how can I make sure that I am communicating authentically and clearly what my commitments are to supporting mission-driven brands and also supporting causes and movements that I care about in relation to, you know, the Black community, the Latin community, you know, the Asian community, and do it in a way that it's not performative and also be able to give back. Because this was a person who they had started their business, I think it might have been 2021, and they wanted to be able to use their business to give back. And they're like, I'm a new business owner. How do I do all of these things and also donate resources. So helping them craft a strategy for their business around their messaging and their commitments to providing additional resources for people and communities in need. We put all of that together and they actually sent me a message at the end of last year, the end of 2022, with a list. They're like, I don't feel like I need to publicize this because that's not necessary, but I just want you to know these are all of the things that I was able to do with my business this year, and I still made a profit because of the work that we did together. And that was, it was so enriching to me to be able to hear that and know that they were able to take the work that we did and honor the things that they wanted to do for themselves and find peace in that and feel really good about it. Mm, that's beautiful. And I like the symbiotic relationship you all have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Going back to what I was saying earlier, like I think that leadership is a collective thing. So all of my clients, we come in, I'm like, this is a collective collaborative experience. Mm -hmm. I can give you tools. I can support you through the work, but I'm not going to just tell you what to do because- mm -hmm. What good is that? If I'm just telling everybody what I think they should be doing, I would just be creating a bunch of carbon copies of, of things. Like it's no, 
Who are you? What's important to you? Let's work from that. Yeah. And so it's like an individualistic plan, like personalized experience. Yeah. And people have to be really down to do the work, right? And I think by you kind of like letting them take the wheel, when a lot of people probably think, I would imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, but like they think you're going to come in and like just tell them what to do and do everything. And then when they realize they actually have to do a lot of that legwork and they have to come up with their own conclusions, you really get to see who is really about change and who's not. Yeah. And I'm very upfront about that. So I am fortunate thus far, knock wood. <laughs> I, I haven't had any clients push back on me as far as okay. that's concerned. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Wow. And I think it's because I'm still, I'm kind of in that space where I'm, I still work with smaller companies. I would imagine that I could expect a little more pushback as the business expands and I begin working with larger organizations. Do you have a place in mind, like a company you want to work with? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> you know, there's, you know, we see stuff in the news sometimes and you're like, hmm, I think I could like help them develop a plan to solve that problem. You know, to be completely honest, my brain doesn't work in that way. I am, it just doesn't. I'm not the kind of person to be chasing things. Mm-hmm. I'm very much about alignment. So the type of messaging that I put out is messaging that I know when it resonates with people, we have alignment in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. I'll do a, I'm giving away a little bit of my secrets, but <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do a, quite a bit of outreach, you know, where I'll do networking on LinkedIn. Sometimes I go to in person now that we're kind of getting back to that, but I'll, I'll do networking on LinkedIn. I will do guest speaking for other coaches or smaller organizations. And I find clients that way. And it works really well for me because I know that when people get in conversation and we're able to, you know, share time and energy together in that way, when it clicks and there is that need, we'll be able to work together and it will be that symbiotic relationship rather than me forcing myself into a space where I don't know. Are they ready? That's not to say that I'm completely against it. And that's something that my team and I are working on uh, expanding into this year. But for now, I really prefer the more intimate, personalized approach to bringing in business and just building relationships. Yeah. I love that that you said alignment. Like that's... I resonate with that and really working on focusing on alignment rather than, like you said, chasing something that doesn't really seem like it's for me, but I decided I wanted it or, you know, just forcing any piece um, Mm -hmm. where it's not fitting. So beautiful. Okay. Before we go, tell us about your book. Yes. So (laughs) (laughs) thank you for asking. So my book is called Brave Leadership is a Choice, an Inclusive Guide to Creating Belonging. And it's my baby. (laughs) It is for leaders who really want to be guided through examining their roles in creating inclusive environments. So it's rooted in the Aligned Values Framework that I created to help people clarify their understanding of inclusion and what that really means, connect to themselves and how they want to show up in environments, root their core values and their purpose and their roles, disrupt and identify bias, embody an inclusive leadership style that reflects their values and create messaging and environments that are really reflective of their commitments to the communities that they are wanting to serve. So it's more of a holistic approach. It's about creating belonging from within first so that you Mm -hmm. can do it for other people. Wow. I'm excited to read. I feel like 
everybody listening needs to go buy two and they need to have one for themselves and they need to give one to their supervisor, whoever's managing their team. Yes, I yes. support that. I totally support that. And I will also say, because I, I know not everybody loves to physically read or even has the time to sit down and read. So there is an mm. audio book version available oh, as well. Yeah, nice. I, I did that work. <laughs> okay, I know, because I'm like, you've had a lot of hours of recording. <laughs> Quite a few. <laughs> uh, yes, bravo for that extra effort. Because, you know, people will do it, but it'll be like years later because they're like, that was too much. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did it all in one foul swoop. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for sharing all these insights with us and hope everybody goes out and gets your book. Thank you. Real change takes time. And you can tell if your organization is really about change, if they've had one DEI session in 2020, or if they've incorporated inclusion and equity efforts into their strategic plan. Do you work for a one hit wonder or true leaders who want the best for you and your coworkers? Think about it. Take care. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.